The fundamentals of athletics, running, jumping and throwing are the key movements needed for most sports. The principle when you're coaching is if you can produce somebody to the best that they're capable of, you've done everything. Now whether that means they turn out to be a national champion or whether they just turn out to be the best kid in the class, you get your satisfaction from that. It was um, a way of representing England that I wasn't even aware of and he said, would you like to run for England one day? And I said, it's a dream, I'd love to. Hello, a warm welcome back to the England Athletics podcast. I say warm, it's getting pretty chilly this time of year. Dean Harbin, I suppose this doesn't compare favourably to the weather you had at the Commonwealth Games last year. It doesn't compare favourably to Commonwealth Games, but it's very much like the sort of weather you expect at your typical league fixture, actually, particularly the ones in May. <laughs> yeah, how relevant, because we talk so often, Dean, about how athletics clubs and the people that run them are the lifeblood of the sport. And this year... We've been celebrating 50 years since the creation of what was the National Athletics League, became the British Athletics League, how at one point pretty much every Great Britain Olympic medalist that you can think of, every top name from Steve Backley to Lynn Davis to Daley Thompson competed in the league and how it became perhaps the inspiration for the Women's Athletics League also being formed to put 50 years into a a short book that uh, I'm holding here, a project we've both been involved in. Uh, Tell us what we're celebrating here. Well, as you say, Alex, it's 50 years since the BAL was formed. Started off a group of actually relatively young people at the time, people in their 20s, 30s, spotting a gap in the market, really, for inter-club athletics. In those days, a lot of clubs uh, would be part of cross-country leagues. They'd take part in medal meetings or other uh, fixtures against each other. But there was no format or agreed structure for, for how those clubs would compete against each other. So people like Tony Ward and others established the BAL really I guess to encourage clubs to develop athletes across all the different disciplines if you've got to put a team out you better find some athletes and uh, there's there's various ways you can do that as we know but the best way is to develop athletes within the club through good coaching you mentioned the UK Women's Athletics League they will be celebrating 50 years in the next couple of years or so although the, the recent news is that the BAL and the UK Women's League have come together to reform if you like a National Athletics League for men and women the feedback at the inaugural meeting it was that this is something that clubs still, or certainly the larger track and field clubs, still very much want. All of the athletes in the sport, all of us who are pretty much involved in the sport, started out at a club. And for most of us, I mean, there, there are the odd exception, but for most of us, we've got really strong attachments to that club. You know, all the people that have gone before us, real sense of heritage and history connected to our clubs. And the way of celebrating that is to get out there and compete in your club vest against other clubs. And that's that's what the British Athletics League has been so good at over the years. It did have its, if you like, a heyday in the probably 70s and 80s, maybe the, the early to mid 90s. There were probably fewer opportunities to compete abroad in an amateur era than there are now. And these fixtures were you know, some of the main meetings of the summer for a lot of athletes. And lots of athletes still have that great emotional bond and attachment to their club and it means a lot for them to put on their club vest and and represent. Thanks Dean. Well in this podcast you'll hear a few tales from people who've been involved in the rich history of the British Athletics League over the last five decades. We will also hear as you may have caught at the start from Katerina Johnson-Thompson who is an ambassador for Phonetics innovative idea to get young people running jumping and throwing and make sure they have an overall grounding in track and field but first let's continue with the BAL theme for now and I have been to Luton 
because a man who was heavily involved as chairman of the league, Jack Walters, and a few of his uh, clubmates were there to greet me. So I've come here today to the Rotary Club of Luton. I've been here once before, and that was to meet Jack Walters, the long-time chairman of the British Athletics League and also heavily involved in, in organising a number of European Club Champions Cups over the years. Also along with Jack joined by Tim Watson and Ian Green, two former Luton United Athletic Club uh, former athletes. And Ian, in fact, uh, you hold one of the records from the early 1970s in the 100 metres in Division 3, don't you? Yeah, that's correct. I did a 10-3 upper... Uh... Meadowbank in Edinburgh, which, uh, so that was 73, and I've just nicely learned that it's still there to this day. Do you remember that day? Oh, what yeah. do you remember? I remember it, A, because I won. I always remember the races that I won and tended to forget the ones that I lost. But no, there was a, a first-class field, and I was fortunate enough to win it. I finished in 1973, and then when I became a vet... When I was approaching 40, I trained for the vets, but I was still fast enough to get in Luton United's 4x1 relay team and uh, competed in the first division of the British Athletics League. And what are your memories, Tim, of the, the team spirit back then? You mentioned uh, to me that the friends you make in athletics are, are friends for life. Yeah, well, I found that training with athletes on a daily basis meant that you you couldn't hide. You can't pretend with your fellow athletes. They know exactly how good you are, and you know exactly how good, good they are. As I said, the friends you make in athletics remain your friends for life. I've got so many of them still on my Christmas card list, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack, the chairman of the British Athletics League for a number of years, what do you remember fondly from those times? Well, I remember the the beginnings. I came in in the second year and stayed there for 17 years. The league throughout that time, or at least for a great part of that time, was sponsored by Guardian Royal Exchange Insurance. They came in without any conditions whatsoever. They let us run our own thing, but behind the scenes they, they were absolutely great. And I think probably the friendliness between a sport and a major company in London, I, I don't think that could be surpassed. But as regards the, the competitions, it was seeing the British teams going abroad on a, an annual basis, and I, I travelled with them on 17 of those, and seeing them support themselves so well, and at the same time uphold all the traditions of the British Athletics League and the sportsmanship, I think they're the things that I treasured perhaps more than anything else. And there are some great stories that have come out of it as well. I mean, for one, it's been mentioned that other sports couldn't fathom how you kept hold of that funding when they were losing theirs. Um, but not least, the stories of team spirit, some from the Liverpool Harriers archives about one athlete who volunteered to do the hurdles and he clattered his knee badly and fell over and then refused a couple of the hurdles and, and cleared his second attempt upon medical examination, then went and finished third in the 1500 metres shortly afterwards. That says something special about the British League, doesn't it? It, it does. I mean, there is a responsibility if you're a member of the team 
you do your damnedest to make sure that every event is covered. You need two athletes in each event, an A and a B string. And if that means getting hold of someone who normally does the 100 metres and sticking them on the pole vault to get a point, then you'll do it. And I've done that as team manager of Luton on many occasions. Did either of you, uh, Tim or Ian, have a go at something or, or do something which wasn't your usual event? No, but I changed events as I, as I got older. As I started off as a sprint hurdler and as I got older and slower, went on to middle distance events. But one of my great memories of the British League is um, running my personal best 1500 metres behind Steve Ovet. But it was some way behind Steve Ovet, but even finishing fifth, you're scoring a valuable point for your club. So um, it's very satisfying. Fascinating. And just inside this, this booklet, tales of people bringing guitars on buses, people missing buses or even a case where the Sale Harriers team found their bus blocked in by a car so a number of their throwers picked it up and moved it out the way. Such was their strength. We've got records from cup competitions and plate competitions as well uh, some of which held by the likes of Marlon Devonish to Kelly Holmes and yeah, some that have really stood the test of time. We have to reflect, Jack, that you're still involved in coaching at uh, Luton Athletic Club down the road. Passion and commitment has sustained you, kept you in the sport. What would you say about the reasons why you have continued to go and coach in Luton and, and, and remained a part of the club? Well, they're, they're self-explanatory, really. I mean, uh, as Tim mentioned earlier, the friends you make are some of the best friends you'll ever make, and that applies to all sports, rugby or, or whatever. Maybe, quite frankly, it's ego. I've coached some tremendously good athletes, four or five internationals, county champions, who goodness knows what, but you get the same pleasure out of coaching kids. I think the principle when you're coaching is if you can produce somebody to the best that they're capable of, then you've done everything. Now, whether that means they turn out to be a national champion or whether they just turn out to be the best kid in the class, then, you know, you get your satisfaction from that because they get the medals, I don't get them. But I, I get a great deal of satisfaction for seeing somebody perform, you know, uh, at a real level. Well, hopefully that will uh, inspire others to, to coach and to get involved, get back involved and to remain a part of an ever-changing sport. And the British League itself, as we've seen, has, has endured financial feast and famine and many changes, but the clubs remain the lifeblood of the sport and they are still competing against each other to this day. Well, great to hear tales from the British Athletics League from Luton there. And some fantastic stories have been uncovered in research for this project. Coach breaking down on the M1. It was uh, Old Etonians, now known as Harrow Athletic Club. Team manager Tony Bush had to walk across fields until he found a car that could be hired out. It was a Mini Cooper. He uh, drove back to the coach on the motorway, strapped the pole vault poles to the top of the Mini and got there just minutes before the competition started. Now, moving on to a different project, Phonetics. I mentioned a new idea to get uh, young people running, jumping and throwing and Katarina Johnson-Thompson, the newly crowned world champion, delighted to say is an ambassador for the project and she can explain how it works. Phonetics is a fun and inclusive programme created by England Athletics to help four to 11-year-old children across the country learn to develop and practice running, jumping and throwing skills all year round for a healthy, confident future. 
Helping children to have fun whilst getting active, phonetics provides a safe, fun and nurturing environment for children to develop fundamental movement skills and confidence to help support them in different sports in the future. We have three different types of license opportunities available. We are looking to work with dynamic providers that can deliver within school, club and community locations. School license for providers looking to deliver within primary schools during curriculum time, breakfast and after school sessions. Community license for providers looking to deliver community sessions during an evening or weekend. Club license for clubs looking to deliver sessions at their club venue during an evening or weekend. Phonetics is accessible to children all year round and offers a reward and recognition scheme based on personal bests. The fundamentals of athletics, running, jumping and throwing, address the majority of physical literacy and are the key movements needed for most sports. The Phonetics app allows parents to follow their child's progress and children to receive a congratulatory message from me as they reach milestones within the programme. To find out more, visit www.phonetics.co.uk or contact support at phonetics.co.uk. Thanks to KJT, the World Heptathlon Champion, doing the explaining there. All about phonetics, the new England Athletics programme. Of course, who better to uh, explain something that involves running, jumping and throwing. Talking about covering all the bases, if you're a regular listener to our podcast, you know we like to send Chris Jones around the country to see what makes different athletics clubs tick. On this occasion, he's been to Cornwall. Let's find out how he got on. So we're here at Cambrai Leisure Centre, the home of Cornwall Athletic Club, and uh, here with Alan Rowling and Emma Steptoe, two prominent members in the club. Alan, you must be very proud as chair of the club to have seen the growth of the club over the years. Tell us a bit more about its history and where you are at this current time. In the early 1970s, there were two athletic clubs in this area, uh, the Duchy of Cornwall Athletic Club and West Cornwall Athletic Club. A lot of rivalry locally, but we decided to amalgamate in 1982 and it's expanded. It's expanded on the endurance side particularly, I think. I'd like to see more development on the track and field. Uh, We've got a strong young athlete section, but our senior track and field athletes are few and far between, partly because many of them will leave the area when they get to under 20 and senior and off to university, usually. I think what we're probably most proud of is that we have 49 athletes who have represented, usually England, internationally. And what do you put that down to? The majority are endurance, and our endurance section is strong. Um, Our ladies have won the England and UK title in the London Marathon and finished second and finished third on successive years. Youths have won the national cross-country back in the 1990s, I remember. But uh, as a club, we also, I think, are quite proud that we have 21 UKA qualified coaches Mm -hmm. from the old level four senior coach level down to assistant coaches. And they, they cover the whole range of events. And another strong event is the pole vault, mm. because Molly Cordry obviously yeah, course, was yeah. in the Commonwealth Games, yes. and uh, and Molly's dad is one of our one of our main coaches here, primarily pole vault, of course. Often, where you find good technical coaches, you'll find good technical athletes, won't yeah. you? You can yeah. see it in pockets across That's the country. Right. And, and he was a decathlete in yeah. his competitive days yeah. as well. Obviously, you've got a rich history of producing good athletes who have performed not only well at Cornish level but also national level and international level. We've got a problem across the country in track and field participation in that the numbers tend to be dipping uh, and, and youngsters are kind of walking away doing other things. Now, we know that's not just confined to athletics. It's 
you know, relates to other sports as well. Lots of things happening around the ages of 15, 16, 17, as we know, exam time and what have you. What would you do to change the sport, Emma, and yourself, Alan, to, to kind of keep more youngsters in the sport? Any any kind of ideas? Our regional league, track and field, is the South West League, with all the fixtures held in Exeter. Now, that's a 200-mile round trip, mm. four times a year, and we don't do the cup match now. This year, and well, last year and this year, we really are suffering in trying to fill the spaces. You know, there are probably many reasons why youngsters don't want to travel 200 miles on a Sunday in the summer. So we're considering... Uh, the future in the Southwest League, and maybe targeting open meetings, four or five of them. Again, it's going to have to, have to be travelling because, you know, we're peripheral. So travelling is a part of the business. Competition has come up as a, as a key uh, issue, should we say. Yeah. You essentially recognise you're likely to do your, your county champs, your area champs, your national champs, and probably take part in leagues where you might have to travel a bit further but what about those participants who are still not quite sure that kind of social cohort who might be late developers who you know if we lose them at the ages of 14 15 because they're disillusioned we've lost a participant who could come good in their early 20s you know and i think we, we've got to address that ourselves but we only have two athletic clubs right in the county yeah and two athletic tracks mm. So it, it, is, it is very, very difficult. I mean, I think we do really well with the support they get from the coaches, the excellent coaches we've got in the club, but it is that issue of when they get to university age, I think, more than the 14, 15. Right. It's this sort of 17, 18, 19 uh, upwards, they tend to go away to university. Mm. Mm. Uh, we have good links with the local university here, so the students coming down from upcountry, we've had an excellent group a lot of them do stay on and work down yeah. here as well. So I think tying in with uh, local colleges at that age group is really important as well, letting them know that we're here and joining in with the um, the existing athletes. The more runners you get, then the better the competition for our athletes, if yes. you like. Mm. And also it's a social thing. The, the road running system with the Grand Prix races, 15 race series and the multi-terrain 10 becoming a 12 race series, Big, big business. Huge participation. We were at St Hostel for a road running club roadshow. Some really good conversations there with road running clubs from the nearby community. Talking about the Masters Endurance Programme, which you recently took part in at the half at Maidenhead. You've said tonight that a number of runners from Cornwall AC ventured down to Maidenhead. What what did that mean for the club? Oh, that that was massive for us. We were absolutely over the moon with that. Um, When I first became interested in the Masters, it was obviously down to Alan because it was um, a way of representing England that I wasn't even aware of. And he said, would you like to run for England one day? And I said, absolutely. It's a dream. I'd love to. And um, yeah, it was that progression into looking at the Masters competitions. And that even took me on to run for England, you know, at a senior level. Mm. But to, to have such a broad spectrum of age groups from our club going to that Masters competition as well, it really um, inspires everybody. You get other people thinking, well, maybe I could do it. And what do I need to do to, you know, meet those qualifying standards, do a qualifying race? Um, my mum was running in the Vet 70 category. I better get the ages right. <laughs> my stepdad in the Vet 75. Fantastic um, day out then. And you said, yeah. Alan, just now the importance of the social aspect of athletics, but particularly running as well. They make new friends and they make long life friends. They run together. And so what about the future for the club then? What are your hopes over the next 12, 18 months or so? Short term, we've got 49 internationals. We want to make 50. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who's going to be the 50th? That's the, 
that's the question now. But I just want to see the club get bigger and better across the board. It's great to hear that the network is going so strong. We know that a number of the 52 or 3 that we established back in 2008-9 with our member clubs are still going and they've become self-funding. But it's more than just a funding, it's about using and pooling ideas and resources, particularly in a rural area where, you know, as you know, facilities are sparse. Sometimes coaches in specific events, technical events can be sparse as well. So it's great to hear that that, that work is still going on. We're going to have a good night here tonight at Cambrai. We've got uh, a gun to take event organisers workshop with Charlotte Fisher, our national road running manager. I think we've got about 15 people on that. We've got, uh, we're going to go outside and watch some athletics training tonight uh, with Rich Aylin, the club support manager, and finally, former international athlete, Steeplechaser Supreme, uh, Spencer Duval, who's the coaching athlete development manager for England Athletics and the Endurance Events, is uh, leading a bit of a, a masterclass and a Q&A with athletes and coaches. So thanks for everything that you're doing for the sport and good luck in the future. Chris Jones there reporting from Cornwall. Well, anything you'd like to get in touch with, the usual ways on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or the England Athletics website. For now, though, from myself, Dean Hardman, Chris Jones and all our guests this month. Thanks for listening and goodbye.